Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got eight games here on Wednesday night to discuss with you guys. We're taking a look in this one at NOLA. They are playing host to these Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie and Luka in the lineup for them on a back-to-back as well. Uh, we'll take a look at some of the numbers in there. Also got another game video up for you and our player props, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We're coming back to you guys each and every weekday during this regular season, and then pretty much every game during that postseason as well that we can get for you guys. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can check out all the great written content as the NBA is in full swing up on the site right now. You can also get that uh, odds finder tool on there. That's where you can chop all those lines. Make sure you're getting the best bets back, uh, the best odds back on all those bets you make in the NBA this season. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into this slate real quick for everyone and then talk about these uh, NOLA and Mavs game. Yeah, we got Hawks minus three and a half at the Wizards. That opened at minus seven and a half. A lot of line movement here. Uh, early on the day. The Blazers are plus 10 at Boston. It's played three overtime periods at the Celtics in the last four days. So I'm a little interested in Blazers to cover, as is most of the public money here. Um, the Mavs we're talking about are on a back-to-back beat. After beating the Jazz, they are in a pick here at New Orleans. Totals 233. Cavs minus one and a half at Heat. We got Thunder plus 13 at the unstoppable Suns right now. Uh, the Bulls, they're climbing in terms of being underdogs in Denver. Denver's won 22 straight at home with Jokic, so that's fair. They're plus nine and a half now. And then the other game we break down, Raptors are plus three. They open at plus five at the Clips, who are looking for their second win in the Russell Westbrook era. And uh, we'll look at that one. But, I mean, we're going to talk about this game presuming that both Kyrie and and Luca are playing on a back-to-back here. You never know, so just stay on top of that. Not that I would, you know, have a problem taking the Mavs to win without Kyrie, uh, if it's just Luca out there. Uh, but what I would have more hesitancy about is the over. Um, because when you have both those guys in there, when you have Kyrie out there, the pace has just been starkly different. The scoring, the lack of defense, I mean, part of that has to do with the fact that they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith and others to get Kyrie, but their defense has, has been abysmal. We've talked about it in player props, etc. cetera. Um, 121 defensive rating, giving up 121 points, scoring 123, and going 6-2 and two to the over in eight games with both those guys out there. You look at their last four in particular, and, and they've won two of their last three, so it's been a bit more successful. They're scoring 126. Um, the pace is up to 101. This is a Mavs team that last year and the year before was dead last in pace. And, and now they're, they're, they're flying around and still hitting a ton of threes because of the, the spacing those guys can afford. 20 threes per game at 45% in these last four. So New Orleans is kind of a packet in defense. They, they have good defensive numbers across the board that are better at home. Uh, I know you can get down in the weeds worrying about that, but the the concern for me isn't that New Orleans might um, you know defend Mavs really well. It's will they be able to score because their offense has been among the worst in the league. However, they've also played seven of their last eight at home. Their only home game in that span against Orlando. Say it with me. It went under. Uh, but the previous four home games since getting Brandon Ingram back, they scored one twenty two a game, one twenty seven rating, uh, three and. 
three and one to the over. Uh, even got to two twenty five against the Cavs, who are the best defense, uh, second best defense now in the league. Um, and the key here for the matchup is that Jose Alvarado is still out, as is Larry Nance. Very good defenders, both of them off the bench. But Alvarado vital in this matchup if Kyrie's active because. He's exactly the kind of pesky, quick defender that can slow Kyrie down. He did in the last two when Kyrie was on the Nets. Kyrie had rough uh, splits and an 87 offensive rating in those games. His previous three against the Pels before Alvarado was really a part of their plans or even on the roster, averaged 32 a game, eight assists with a 141 offensive rating. And Luka has also shredded the Pels. He shredded a lot of uh, division opponents, but... Last four for the Mavs against the Pels. They've won three of four. Three of four have gone over. Luka's averaged 38 a game in just 34 minutes because the last time he played, he hurt his heel, had uh, 30, what, 34 points already in 23 minutes before bowing out of that yeah. one. So uh, I guess lastly, let me just go through the back-to-back situation because the Mavs are their worst at their worst here in back-to-backs. Uh, they've played one with Kyrie so far, and it, it was an overtime loss at sack. Luca missed two of the three previous ones, and they gave up 140 plus. So it definitely bodes well for an over if you're going to say that their already poor defense is going to be worse. Um, before that, they actually won on a back to back in Denver, which is the last time those Nuggets have lost with Nikola Jokic at home. So I like the Mavs to to continue to string together some positivity here with the win. I mean, the Pelicans are are awful. They're seven and twenty in their last twenty seven games here. Some of that is is road splits, but most of it's just they don't have Zion, and now they don't have two key guys that I mentioned, uh, especially for guarding those those superstars in the backcourt. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I don't agree with is the over part. To be honest with you, um, and and I, I would still take. Dallas to be able to win this game if Kyrie doesn't play as well. Uh, not sure why he wouldn't, I guess. I mean, I don't, there's nothing nagging that I know of that, that seems to be an issue for him. He's been pretty healthy since he got to Dallas and, uh, and he's played every game in, in those seven games that he's been there. So I would say, expect him to play. Uh, but the the small spread does sort of make you think they, they haven't been blowing anybody out, right? Even in the Kairuka era, um, they're, they're not winning games by more than 10, that, like they won double digit win against uh, the the Spurs there. So, you know, nothing, whatever you want to take away from that. Um, but everything else is, is, is kind of close games for them because I think even, you know, you've seen them build two leads actually uh, in, in double digits and then give blow both of them um, or at least one of them and almost blow the other one. So um, I, I think in, in this one, like I, I think Nola can at least hang around. I'm not touching that spread at minus one, but 234 seems high for me for what I'm kind of focused on. I mean, for me, it's the home road stuff for uh, for the for the, the Pelicans, which they don't play defense on the road, um, and they play it pretty well at home, allowing fewer than 110 points uh, on the season over their last uh, eight at home. Not great numbers for them. Very very bad winning. They're three and five, um, and only scoring 111, but only giving up 110. Continuing to play at a 96 pace, third slowest. Um, in that time. And then, you know, everything that they do well and how this team is built is predicated on Zion being available. <laughs> they, they have two wing scores and then they have a bunch of guys that can crash, right. And, and get to the rim and are athletic and get and put up second chance points, get offensive rebounds, get out in transition because guys like, you know, Trey Murphy and, and when Zion's in and guys like that can get a rebound and just go, um, everybody on their team is big enough to get a board and then just go except for basically CJ McCollum. Um, so I, I think, 
the fact that they still need that to happen, but they don't have Zion in there. They're also not going to have the speedy Jose Alvarado, which I kind of like also for slowing the pace down a bit more um, when he's in the game, he's going. Um, and without Zion, like I said, they're still, you know, depending on things like getting the fourth most offensive rebounds, um, but not being able to necessarily finish as a result of that. They're still 18th and second chance points uh, at home over their last eighth, despite getting the fourth most offensive rebounds. Um, and they also don't get defensive rebounds at 20, 23rd there in terms of defensive rebound percentage at that time. But that's not how Dallas is going to score. Um, they are getting points in the paint. Dallas is allowing a ton of those. So that is an area that they could dominate and, and help score. Uh, but I th- still think that's a slower game. It's still a choppier, muck it up, get two pointers kind of game. Um, and, and they're not going to get anything in transition because they don't get out in transition if Zion's not on the court uh, for, for the Pellies. So um, the other thing, you know, is they're just great at defending the three, which you would expect when you have a bunch of big cagey guys um, like Trey Murphy, like Herb Jones and everybody else that just keeps piling off their bench like that. Um, that's in that similar vein. You know, th- That's why, the, you know, this matchup for me, obviously Dallas still scoring uh, the second most amount of points. They're still first, actually. Uh, the, the, the dubs are creeping up on them in terms of or, uh, in terms of like that three point scoring. They're also getting all the most ISO ball there. And I think the ind- individual defenders for the Pellies are, are decent at that. Obviously, Luca changes everything up. I know there's been a few overs before uh, in these games, even without Zion in these matchups. Um, but I think also Dallas playing on the road since they've they've gotten Kyrie. They're two and two there. They are sc- scoring a, f- uh, a few less points and allowing a few less points. Points only allowing 117 in those two and those four road games versus the like 121 they're giving up the whole time uh, since Luca uh, since Kyrie got there um, they're allowing the fifth highest field goal percentage but uh, the fifth lowest three pointers and and made and, and percentage um, which it doesn't matter because that's you know Norans isn't going to score from there so the fact that they can't score stop the paint the fact that you know th- that they uh, can't really stop anybody from scoring twos either to be honest does make you worry that New Orleans can hang because that's where they score from um, but I think they're going to be able to limit second chance points limit defensive rebounds like they've been doing on the road second best in limiting defensive rebound percentage seventh best in terms of limiting second chance points um, so they are crashing the defensive boards even though they're not really doing much on the offensive side um, so I think there's opportunity for, for this game to, to stay under 234 where it's creeped up uh, and I'm happy to go under as it keeps going up you're kind of talking me into the over even more by saying that New Orleans is going to be able to actually find success down low where they haven't really been scoring. They haven't been doing their part to get over anywhere on the road lately. But if Joe Val's having a big game, I mean, their their numbers are are often with no Brandon Ingram. But I just pointed out, yeah, since he got in the lineup in their four home games here, 123 a game, uh, he's had some explosions. He, he's been very good against Dallas, and now there's no DFS to guard him either. So I do think they'll be able to score. And if they're competitive, look, Dallas has given up leads or coming back because they can score so fast now because they have both of these guys, yeah. right? And it's, it's I go, you go. And it's op- awfully simple, but obviously it just comes down to will they hit threes? And, and you say, yeah, New Orleans is a great three-point defense. It's pretty much fluctuated. Dallas beating them or or scoring north of 120 if they're going to hit their threes. They shot 45 and 47% in two of these last two meetings with Nola. Still managed to win one while shooting 34%. That was at home. Lost a close one uh, shooting 31% in Nola. But that, those, those games, both in Nola, still did go over the total that was set. Uh, so I think it is a little low. If Kyrie's going to play, I mean, he's just such a prolific offensive player and he's going to continue to push the pace. And and Alvarado, while they might be a slower pace, 122 defensive rating in four games without him. The defensive rating also rises without Nance. So even if you're talking a 98 pace or a little slower, that still should be good 
for about 240 if if that efficiency is going to maintain. All right, fine. You convinced me too now. <laughs> As I finished speaking of my points, I started to realize, yeah, wait, wait, if Nola can score. Um, but I, I want Kyrie to be in this game. Uh, that's that's the full disclaimer. I, Kyrie yeah. in this game. Okay, yeah, over 234. I'm looking at like, even if they allow 117 on the road, which is better than they have been at home for the Mavs, that means they need 118 points to get over. Uh, and I think they could easily do that every single time. I mean, book it for 120 uh, when they've got Kyrie and Luka as long as they're not missing everything from deep. They can basically hit like 34% of their threes from from deep when they're shooting nearly 40 of them uh, and still you know, get that 120 pretty easily, especially getting to the line the way that uh, Kyrie and Luka have been as well. So, all right. Back to the over. I'm with you on it. Uh, and that is all the time we have for you. Uh, it took Nate about 13 minutes to convince me uh, to take his point, And now we're in that position together. And this game, the Raptors are only plus two and a half now at the Clips. They opened at plus five. Nobody is trusting the Russell Westbrook Clippers. That includes Josh, who would not bet on them with your money, he says. But we do have some good good confidence here in the over, which has actually dropped the point as well. The 228 Toronto is a team that that does tend to go under a little bit, um, but I mean, not recently. They've gone over in three straight road games, and they've actually gone over in 13 of their last 18 on the road with a 96 pace, which is certainly faster than the re- recent meetings with, with the Clips. Um, it's hard to look at a game log involving the Clippers and, and really take much stock into it. If it's from last season or the season before, it's like, well, did they have any of these guys? But it, it isn't impressive to look at how the Raptors have been able to score on them with a 120 defense offensive rating, um, you know, scoring 111 despite the really slow pace, despite barely hitting any threes, nine a game, despite 19 assists. They get to the line and Siakam has been really successful. Like the Clippers haven't had a really good matchup for him. I don't think Kawhi, even though he's, sort of back is is still a great matchup for Siakam. Um, I mean, I say sort of back. He's not the same defensive stopper he has been. And so you look at Siakam scoring 33 and a half per game, his last two against the Clips, 28 his last five. That is with both those guys active for some of those. And it's, it's a get right matchup for him. Uh, I will highlight him in player props, I think, because I, he's, his scoring prop is way down. And if he's he's getting it going, and this is going to turn into a bit more of an up-and-down game, I think. And again, we talk about the change of pace. Same thing we were looking at with the Mavs, that their pace has skyrocketed since adding Kyrie. Since adding Westbrook, the, the Clippers are fourth in pace at 103 possessions per game. They're scoring 125 a game. Uh, their defense has been horrendous, though. Uh, and in the key areas for against Toronto, right, dead last in turnover percentage. And in opponents turnover points off turnovers, giving up 27 of those a game, which is the worst in the league by like six points per game. Fast break points, dead last in paint points. Uh, so, you know, Toronto, you worry about them scoring, but I think that they should be able to get theirs here because uh, Westbrook is just not helping them on the defensive end and the rotations are messed up or for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to stop anybody. But I think they've kind of figured out some things on offense in the last two, which is to say, Russ, shoot less. Uh, 16% usage rate against Memphis means they finally got a win. They well, PG goes off for 42 with a 38% usage rate. Uh, and those two guys, you know, old friends from OKC, maybe did some internal discussions of like, look, I'm going to set you up. You, you, We need you to shoot, 
shoot more. Uh, you know, Russ, you, you don't have to prove, you know, to everybody that you can still score. Like, let's just win some freaking games. So they have a 130 offensive rating in their last two here. They are hitting 13 threes as a team. Their games have averaged 255, <clears throat> which is certainly a lot more than this. So, I mean, both teams giving up, uh, you know, our bottom four in assists allowed as well. I just think we're going to have enough of offensive efficiency here to get over 228. I mean, when you talk about the Kawhi-led clips, that's that's been the case. Aside from some of their, their road games here in the Westbrook era, like at Golden State, and that one weird home game against Minnesota, they've been a consistent over. Uh, I mean, granted, two of those are against the Kings, which have been ridiculous shootouts. But I do think Toronto, if they're able to score off turnovers and get out in fast break and get Siakam going the way he needs to, uh, I do think they'll score enough to help to help this go over. Yeah, that's that's what this comes down to. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the Clippers, and I just I I love that Russell Westbrook comes to a team, and it just can't help but take on his identity. Like he's the dude at the party who's just talking so loud, and you're like, "Yo, everybody can hear everything you're saying," but he can't help it. He's just so loud, um, and that's why they're now dead last uh, in terms of opponents' points off turnovers. Um, because they're giving up the second most turnovers since Russell Westbrook got there. It's just helter-skelter ball. Um, it's just run and gun, get it and go. There's never, a, like, he, he's good at, 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 what makes Russell Westbrook good is not just his speed, it's his quickness. It's start and stop. Um, and it's been a lot of just quick stop and then go. And and they're still averaging, um, you know, they're still in the top five uh, in the NBA in, in terms of uh, mid-range points scoring, you know, the, the fourth highest percentage from there. They're still doing things that's clipper ball, but they're doing it at 103.3 pace as opposed to like 96, which they've been playing at for the past, basically since they got there. Um, since Kawhi and PG showed up in LA, they've been in the bottom five in pace. Um, and now, you know, it's just gone. It's just all, all different. It's 103. Point three and, and it's it's what you said. The reason I like the the um the over here is because that's what that's how Toronto scores. Like that's that's the key stat to me. Toronto gets you know all season they're in the top three um, in terms of points off of turnovers. We also know they like the scrappy second chance points um, and we and they like the fast break points um, and that's how they're going to score over and over again and you know until Nick Nurse basically probably isn't there uh, or until their roster looks a lot different. But um, you know on the road still getting a ton of those fast break points because I think they know that they need to get it and go um, and that's why you can they, they, that's I think how they've had success too uh, when they win on the road they have. You you know, they get above 115, 116 in those situations. Uh, and I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but I, I, I would take them to cover three before I would take the Clippers uh, to cover three in this situation, uh, knowing that they just blew one against the Nuggets that they should have probably kept uh, a bit better. But Joker just kind of took over. And that's a guy that, no, you know, no one on their team, you know, God bless you, Yaka Pertle, can really do anything about. Um, Pertle will probably be very helpful in this matchup uh, because they don't, if they didn't have him, they wouldn't have anybody to, to match up with uh, Zubac and, and even say what you want Mason Plumley uh as well like they wouldn't have if you put Chris Bruchet or, or Coloco or anyone on that front line you know in the starting rotation you have nobody for Mason Plumley at that point who's been balling out uh, has a 20 rebound game at this point with the clips so um I, yeah I think you continue to to feel good about points in this one no matter what um even if you know Toronto has done decently at home and I know they're they play pretty similarly at home uh on the road like you were saying in terms of uh, the, their defense they just they give up a bunch more points they, they do allow you to, to have at least be more efficient uh on the road than they are at home um and then that's that's going to be something that i think uh 
if you're going to allow a team to be efficient, like the Clippers aren't necessarily going to be that. Uh, they're just going to be a volume team at this point. Um, but if you're going to give, allow them to be efficient with that volume that they're going to play at and the speed, then I just think everything points towards over, uh, you know, to at least point over 230 in this game. And we've got it down to 228 right now. Yeah. I mean, you say they take on the identity of Westbrook. So you look at how the Lakers have done against the Raptors and they've gone over in four of their last five, including some really high totals the last two. Um, so that is definitely an indication that this matchup will be juked a little bit. I mean, Westbrook's individual numbers aren't necessarily good in those last few matchups, uh, 17 points per game, uh, but three and a half turnovers, which certainly helps the Raptors and whatever he's doing defensively, getting lost, freelancing, not really being a good team defender. Uh, I do kind of like the clips though, because... Kawhi, I mean, you mentioned Pirtle and their, but their ability to operate in the mid range between Kawhi and PG. Um, Kawhi's averaging like 32 a game on 68% shooting his last two against Pirtle slash the Spurs, who we, who we just wanted to murder. But he hasn't really had that revenge game against Toronto either yet. No. Maybe he comes out and, and delivers some daggers. And <clears throat> I think there's something to build on here for the Clips coming back to beat Memphis despite giving up some ridiculous efficiency. Uh, in the in that third quarter, gave up a fifty one point third quarter, but then buckled down for the win. Uh, I think maybe they'll start to figure out some things with Westbrook. It's just a little unfair to be like you threw you threw him in there mid season, gave him the starting role at point guard, and oh yeah, they're losing. It's all his fault. It's like well, it's it's gonna be an adjustment no. period here, and and let's see if they can adjust and start to win some games with him. Yeah, no, like if we're going back to the loud guy at the party analogy, like you invited him, Paul George. So what did you expect to happen? Um, but yeah, just back to the mid range to like Toronto uh, bottom five in terms of allowing mid range uh, field goal percentage and the amount of field goals that are scored on them there as well. Um, so it's it's just it's a good weakness uh, point that the uh, you know that is going to be attacked by this Clippers team no matter what. So and and also the the lack of defense. Norm Powell is getting less minutes. Really good wing defender for them. Six foot three with like a seven foot wingspan um, and always been at least a solid defender who can also guard slightly bigger players um and without him you know basically getting the minutes that he was getting on on pace for being you know in the conversation for sixth man of the year then that just got completely taken away from him Terrence Mann pull, get, pull, gets pulled from the starting lineup so it's definitely not Westbrook's fault like you said uh, entirely at all um but it's just this is what it is now uh, for this team. And so that's why even three points for me is, is, is something I, I don't feel comfortable with. Um, they weren't able to cover again. They almost lost to that Grizzlies team uh, the other night and, and had to really come back all the way at the very end, down 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, had to come all the way back to, to win, but not cover. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's jump right into your first NBA play prop, former New York Nick Cam Cam Reddish. Yeah, I'm taking a, a Portland Trailblazer here as they visit the Celtics, who 
are playing their third game in four nights and had to go to to three overtime periods in those first two. So not necessarily going to be at their highest uh, energy. Um, and the way they defended Dame lately is to get the ball out of his hands. He has double-digit assists in both of his last two appearances against them. So he's going to have to kick it out to right now his his main running mate with Anthony Simons out and definitely with that ankle. Cam Reddish has stepped up, scoring 18 a game. Also nearly five rebounds, four assists on 20% usage. He's actually got double digits in all five road games so far with Portland, 17.5 points per game. Higher usage rate because one of those was a revenge game at Atlanta. Uh, hitting, you know, 47.5% from deep here in his last three. So 13.5 points seems very low. Uh, the uh, three-point prop, I don't know if you want to go that route. I think you can tack on three rebounds, though, which is the same odds. Like I said, he's getting five a game. I don't know how the Celtics are going to be offensively. They are giving up um, the uh, actually six most boards to shooting guards in the last seven here, along with 24 points per game. So uh, it's just an opportunity to buy low here on a guy who's starting to get higher usage, uh, enough so that Josh picked him up on his fantasy team, and I'll just bring that up before he can bring it up and uh, get everyone to roll their eyes again. Wow. Get out of my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, Cam, I expect big things from him down the stretch, as you mentioned, as proven by my pickup of him to try to make a run in these playoffs. Um, and I just think it's a good bet right now. I mean, Anthony Simons, uh, not really sure what's what's going to happen with him. Uh, he's continuing to miss games. And uh, there's this Portland team's probably not going to the play-in anymore. Um, they barely beat Detroit the other night. Uh, but Cam Cam, as he continues to get minutes and usage, that's what, that's what you're looking for. And, and they do always have some minutes for a backup guard or, you know, the running mate to, to Dame also gets uh, – a good amount of those second unit minutes where I think Cam's going to continue to, uh, to be able to score. So yeah, I'm, I'm agreement on all that. I'm going to go with Joker for the next one because like fucking whatever, like you go for Joker, like you take over on Denver at home and you go for Joker's props. Um, and look in coming into town is the team that has been limiting points in the paint. Um, they've been getting defensive rebounds. You don't know that, but the Chicago bulls have been the best defensive team in the league for like a month and a half straight now, uh, rising all the way up to like the seventh best defensive rating in the league. All that said, this is Joker. Uh, and when he plays Chicago and he plays anybody, uh, even Vooch, you know, uh, at center right now, um, he's averaging 24 and a half a game, 12 boards and 12 assists. Um, so if you want the triple double, it's plus 110 at DraftKings, which is better than sometimes when it's even money for you to take a triple double on the Joker. At least you get some plus odds on that right now. Um, those numbers, by the way, for Chicago are a little bit against Chicago or skewed for Joker. He only had eight points in a blowout win earlier this season because he didn't even need to play 30 minutes, but he had 14 assists assists in that time as well and just, and just over the 30 they played so um you know points whatever but i think that's why the rebounds and assists uh minus 120 for him to get 23 uh tonight over 22 and a half or you can just go with the assists at 10 and a half assists uh over that is plus 115 so it's really good um really good odds there for him to get the 11 assists he's gotten 10 a few times recently which was a little bit annoying but because it usually sits at 10 and a half i think this is a good opportunity though like we said 14 in that game earlier this season um and yeah since uh basically Basically, January at home, uh, playing really, really, really well, as you would expect. A bit uh, lower in the points department there. 22 and a half a game since Jan 1st at home, but uh, almost 14 boards and about 12 assists. And, oh, yeah, Denver is 16 and 0 in that time frame where they have not lost with Joker at home uh, in, I think, like uh, 22 games now or something like that. So it's still pretty insane um, that what they're doing there. And like we said, the Bulls D's gotten even better since Pat Bev got there. He's not guarding Joker whoever is guarding Joker, I still don't really care because I think he's just going to do what he wants uh, and get those assists uh, all over the place tonight. So I really like those assists and the rebounds and assists. 
Yeah, I mean, the rebounds and assists aren't really going to be affected by his individual matchup. It might be affected by how well the the supporting cast is guarding off-ball cutters, etc. But he just sees things that nobody else sees. It doesn't really matter how well uh, you know Billy Donovan prepares his guys to to try to guard him and, and all those cutting. Like he, He's going to get his dimes at home, like we've seen. And he's going to get his boards if Chicago continues to be a mediocre to bad offensive team. So that, that's why I think you're totally right to say rebounds, assists, rather than chasing the points, which we don't necessarily know how much he's going to look to score or, or even have to look to score. Um, even if this is a blowout, his chance he gets those double-digit rebounds and assists. Uh, so like that, and maybe some player performance doubles, like to say double-double in a win, triple-double in a win. Because uh, Denver, yeah, rolling at home with him. So I alluded in the game video, Pascal Siakam has been playing really well against the Clippers in his last five, 28 points per game on 50% shooting. He's been struggling in his last four against some familiar foes like Washington uh, and at Denver here. Really poor shooting splits, 17 points a game, and the usage is down too. He hasn't necessarily been exuding confidence, but... He's still going to play 37 to 40 minutes a game. Uh, that's what Nick Nurse needs from him. Um, so his points prop is down here, 22 and a half, nearly even money. You could tack on seven rebounds here too. Uh, if you think the Clippers, because the their increased pace will in, result in increased rebounding opportunities, I definitely think that that's a good logic here. His previous seven before this four-game struggle, though, he's averaging 29 a game against some really good defenses, too. you got three matchups in there against the Cavs, Magic, and Pelicans. Can't get much tougher there. He does struggle with efficiency on the road in general. I mean, his last eight or so splits here, really much worse. 20 and a half points versus 29 at home. Does get another rebound per game, though, and his usage rate is slightly higher. So that's what I'm leaning on here. It, combined with the fact that the Clippers don't really have a power forward that guards, um, that, that I mean, I guess they start uh, Morris, right? But he's way too slow for Siakam. Kawhi, not necessarily big enough or not necessarily focusing enough on, on the defensive end to just try to, like, lock him up. Uh, and this game is going to be a little more freewheeling now that it's the Russell Westbrook Clippers. So up more pace, more fast break points means better uh, numbers for Siakam. Yeah. For, for Pascal, yeah, and it's, a, it's a pretty good matchup for him and, and on the road. Um, while he may have struggled at times uh, in these, uh, you know, in this season, um, I still, yeah, feel pretty good about the uh, the, the place that uh, he scores from and the position that he's scoring from, like we said, where he's going to be on the floor in this matchup. So we do like a lot of points in this one. So um, a game that probably won't have very many points. Uh, that's where I'm going for the last prop. That's why I'm going under. Got the Cl- uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and the Miami Heat. So I'm going under on Jared Allen here. Uh, what's that total at right now? Like 215 um, in that one. So I'm going under. 23 and a half points and rebounds for uh, the big man minus 111 on FanDuel for that uh, look it's Miami you continue to like uh, the, the matchup for Miami with Bam um, in the four that he's played against Miami with Bam uh, the last four what uh, nine points a game 10 boards uh, for Jared Allen and just six and a half field goal attempts a game so that usage rate all the way down to 13 percent um, and in, in six total you know overall the last six that he's played against Miami only 12 boards and 10 uh, 12 points and 10 boards doesn't get you over the the prop tonight as well. Miami allowing the fewest rebounds per game and second fewest points per game to centers because of 
Bam, uh, who's in, who was in the running for, for defensive player of the year, but obviously the Jaron Jackson Jr. is running away with it. Um, and Miami in their last seven home games is playing at a 93 and a half pace, allowing 38 rebounds per game, which is good for uh, what top three in the league right now. Uh, and that's what, but basically what they've been doing for a lot of the season, but especially at home, it's just been some really, really slow games. Um, and the last seven, uh, this season for Jared Allen right now, you know, he's right at about that 20, 20 and, uh, and a half points and rebounds combined for him with just a 14% usage rate as you continue to see uh, Donovan and Darius really demand the ball. Really, after like the first or second quarter, they're not even looking for Jared Allen. Anything he gets is off of second chance points where Miami continues to be really, really good at limiting that uh, as number one in the league over the last 15 games. So uh, just not a good situation for Jared Allen in this one. And, and I think, you know, Evan Mobley also playing super well obviously helps uh, as he's been getting a ton more minutes. So under 24 points and boards for Jay Allen tonight. Yeah, and interestingly, like he has notably lower numbers on the road despite playing a little bit more minutes because Cleveland blows out a lot of bad teams at home. Um, so he's playing more on the road, but he's le- he's getting less usage, scoring less, boarding less. Um, and in this matchup, yeah, it's a little scary for sure because Bam is not going to make mistakes. Like he's only scoring off lobs, basically. He's like essentially a, a, a poor man's Rudy Gobert. I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far. He's almost as good as Rudy, yeah. uh, but, but he's just not getting as many opportunities because it's once again, a Donovan Mitchell team and, and he's going to, he's going to have a huge usage rate and try to follow up his 40 here against Miami. So um, yeah, I think we do go under for Jay Allen. Yeah. I mean, at least Donovan Mitchell's looking at Jay Allen and early in the game, uh, as opposed to where he never looked at Rudy. Uh, but yeah, still not really getting the ball as like an offensive, uh, you know, centerpiece here is Jay Allen. So that's all the time we have for you in this one though. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Got a couple game videos on this eight game slate tonight. So until we see you next, happy betting.